All right, live from Studio 6B on a big Tuesday primary night. Lots to do. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado's joining me tonight, plus an all-star cast here from Real America's Voice. Dr. Gina Loudon will join us from our West Palm studios. David Zier will join us out in Missouri from Greitens headquarters. Of course, the host of Turning Point, Steve Gruber, will join us from Michigan. Of course, the host of America's Voice Live out at Tudor Dixon headquarters. Uh, ben Berkwam, of course, of course, the host of Law and Borders, is going to join us from Arizona and I believe Carrie <clears throat> Lake headquarters. So lots to do. Polls just closed, or at least mostly closed, I think, in Missouri and in Michigan. Although in Michigan, I think they closed at 8 and at 9 because of the time zone situation. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. Rick Delgado, how are you? I am good. How are you? Big Tuesday night here. Big primary Tuesday. Primary Tuesday night. Yeah, you know, fewer than 100 days until the general. These final rounds of primaries kind of will come fast and furious here. And Tonight's a big night as you have... Um, Arizona, Michigan, Missouri, Kansas, and Washington. And, uh, well, if we can, and by the way, let me just thank in advance all the people, technical people, Geo, Fran, everybody in West Palm, everybody from Real America's Voice, Parker, and the whole crew, as we try to do this on these primary nights to get everybody involved. Uh, Gee, if we can, let's try to go out to Ben Berkwam, even though the polls don't, uh, the polls don't close there for a while. But let's, uh, let's set the scene, if we can, with Ben of course, the host of Law and Border right here on Real America's Voice, I believe, is at Cary Lake headquarters. Ben Berkwam, there you are. How are you? Hey, doing well, guys. You're, you're up, uh, and it's good to start with me. I love the other guys on the panel, but this is where it's at. <laughs> Arizona is the bellwether for the country. The other states are important, but this is the critical state. Whether we get a MAGA candidate, whether we get MAGA candidates in the general election, or we get more of the rhinos, the same old establishment, the, the, the I, I say the ghost of McCain uh, still haunting the state of Arizona. This is where it can turn. We can, If we get Mark Fincham, if we get Kerry Lake, if we get uh, Blake Masters and uh, Abe Hamaday, this state by 2024 could be the example to the rest of the country on election integrity, on border integrity, on securing our country, on exposing the fraud of the left. And I love Kerry Lake that we're out here. We got massive amounts of media out here. Uh, I actually got into a little scrum with uh, MSNBC <laughs> last night, hashtag fake news, who, uh, who started calling out Kerry <laughs> Lake. And all in fun, of course, all in fun. But this is what it's about. You know, somebody who came from media, that's why they hate her so much. She came from media and then goes after the media. Uh, it's that, that's why we love her so much, because she doesn't pull punches. She says it like it is. This room is going to be packed. We were packed last night, and I anticipate the same. Uh, and outside of some voter shenanigans, I think it's going to be a good night for MAGA in Arizona. All right, let's set the scene there. Um, obviously, we'll start in the Senate race. Blake Masters, uh, last time I checked, was up about 13 points. He would then obviously go off against uh, Mark Kelly who you think is very vulnerable in that state. Is is Blake Masters who you hear the most uh, momentum for out there in that race? Uh, yes, you know, it, it, definitely in the primary. Uh, it's it's an interesting one with Mark Kelly. Blake Masters has a good argument for it. You know, basically, Mark Kelly pretends to be something that he's not. We look at the left. You look at folks like Bernie Sanders, who's openly communist. Uh, you look at uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and these guys that are just terrible, but the, their their base loves them. Mark Kelly is a guy who has to pretend like he's something that he's not in Arizona. And the question is, ha have enough Arizonans woken up to that fraud uh, and and really the you know the lay aside 
aside the fact that his his background and his wife's background and all that story behind it, it'll be, that'll be an interesting race to see. I mean, that that there's a whole bunch of nuance there that we'll have to see in the general. But I think from a primary standpoint, uh, he's it's Blake Masters night to uh, to win. And of course, you have the attorney general there, uh, Bronovich, uh, running. Yep. Um, What's the feeling on him right now with obviously all of the election stuff and what what's the feeling on there? I guess my question to you, what is the is the election integrity taking people by storm there or given what's going on with the border and fentanyl and all the problems in Arizona, is that the number one thing on everyone's mind? Is the border candidate the one who's going to win? I'd say it's it's a three-legged stool right now with the the longest leg or the most important one being election integrity but right next to that is the border integrity and then right with that is the economy and Bidenflation and everything else so those three issues are primary for most Arizonans uh, and that's why for instance Abe Hamaday who says he's going to declare these uh, organizations running for attorneys general is going to declare these organizations cartel organizations terrorist organizations is critical you have Kerry Lake who's saying that day one she's going to uh, uh, declare the invasion and secure the border what Joe Biden refuses to do what Doug Ducey she calls him do nothing Ducey refuses to do and that's why you know those issues are critical but so are the other ones again election integrity this was ground zero. I was here for nine days after the election. We saw it. And the biggest issue that I saw was the fact that they changed their rejection rate for mail-in ballots, basically accepting any signature that came in. Uh, if, you know, those things don't change, all the rest is moot if we, you know, if we don't have secure elections. And that's, that. there, there are a lot of people that were questioning whether or not even to vote. And Carrie Lake and everyone else said, you have to vote because then if you don't, you give it to them. So there's, there's just this, you know, a, a, a combination of wanting to fight but concerned that whether or not the it, it's going to make a difference so again everything is at play tonight tomorrow will be a, a very telling day and then really the the general election i think is is uh, in november will will be the ultimate deciding factor and we'll see you know what happens if we get secure elections by then by 2024 we could have some major major changes in, in arizona and on the other side is there any reason to think that katie hobbs is not going to win for the um for the democrats no and no it'll be uh, from all all signs right now, it'll be a Carrie Lake, Katie Hobbs race, and in which, again, you've got a fighter in Carrie Lake. I think the 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 folks of Arizona have woken up to the left. Uh, that what they absolutely don't want is establishment Republicans, the do-nothing Republicans that talk a, a good game. And that's really why we're here. Arizona used to be firmly red, but we had j years and years and years of, of uh, McCain and that mindset of uh, squishy on the border, squishy on the economy, squishy on America first, and then you have fighters that come along. And that's it's the same thing in California, why the Republican Party in California has died. It's because they went to liberal light. What people want in Arizona on the conservative side is hardcore fighters, and I think that's what you're going to see in Kerry Lake. So I, I, tonight is really the battle for governor. Uh, the general outside, again, of voter fraud is pretty well secured if Kerry Lakes gets the nomination tonight. All right, Ben Berkwam, we will check back with you. Polls will close. You got yeah, polls will close there, of course, at 10, so you've got some time, but we'll try to check back with you during the show. Thanks, Ben. Um, seven, gee, seven local, yes, sir. Seven local, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's correct. So um, do we have David Z or G, or should I go to Dr. G? All right. All right, let's um, let's go to before I, I would like to go to Zier first because Dr. G has a lot of insight on Missouri. So if we have David Zier, let's go to David Zier, who's at uh, Greitens headquarters there. Uh, David, how are you? 
I'm well. I'm well. Uh, here in Missouri, it's 110 degrees with the index outside. Uh, but luckily, it's air conditioned in here. A lot of media here. Uh, the New York Times and everybody were flocking around Eric Greitens this morning. I got an interview with the former governor running for U.S. Senate. Uh, you know, the polls just closed here with about, you know, half a percent of the vote in. Uh, we have, um, you know, Trudy uh, Valentine, who's the heir to the Anheuser-Busch family, has taken a double-digit lead, but it's very early. And out of the gate, Schmidt is over Greitens, uh, Hartzler, uh, Vicky Hartzler. But, you know, with this Trump endorsement yesterday for the Eric's, um, you know, it looks like, you know, Vicky Hartzler's chances are waning. Um, so well, he, he you know, came we're out pretty see heavy. Where this goes tonight. We're going to follow it closely. President Trump came out pretty heavy against her, right? Yep. In that uh, he came out and said, you know, you can pretty much forget about her, and then gave this kind of very strange, yeah. uh, kind of double endorsement, no endorsement, depending on how you want to look at it, with just endorsing the Eric's, which obviously you've got Schmidt and Greitens. Um, what's the feeling on the ground over President Trump's whatever you want to call it? Well, there's also a third Eric also. He's a comedian uh, running here. So there's actually three Eric's. But listen, I, th I think Trump was put in a tough situation here. He's got everybody lobbying him from all sides. You know, uh, Sarah Huckabee Standards, Governor uh, Sanders, Governor Kevin Stitt of Oklahoma, Ted Cruz, uh, Mike Lee, uh, all gave endorsements to uh, Schmidt to Eric Schmidt, you know, and Greitens has his own party in there, his own endorsements between Don Jr. and Kim Guilfoyle and Giuliani and, and everybody. So there was like a lobby rally going on at Bedminster. And, uh, you know, I think people on the ground here in Missouri, the sentiment that I've heard is that they wish that Trump would have endorsed one of the other or the other. You know, Eric Schmidt is kind of aligned with the McConnell and the Koch brothers and two other billionaires. There's definitely a smear campaign going on in Greitens. I think they're afraid that if he wins, there's going to be a strong MAGA message coming down the pike. Um, I don't think Greitens has been treated fairly here. Uh, but in fairness, uh, Eric Schmidt, you know, he's somewhat popular. He's a pretty good attorney general from all things. He sued the Biden administration twice. Uh, but Greitens insists that this is, Eric Greitens insists that this is the fight against the establishment. You know, his campaign is the fight against the establishment. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, we'll know probably within a half hour, an hour, where this is heading. All right, very good. Uh, David Zier at Greitens headquarters. We'll check back with David, uh, obviously, throughout the night. Let me bring in Dr. Gina Loudon from our West Palm Beach studio. And uh, Dr. G, I kind of saved you for last because I know you have a lot of insights into this into this race and what's going on with Greitens and, and what's going on with um, Schmidt. And David Zier, I think, probably has it correct. As an attorney general, you certainly could look and say, well, they could have done a lot worse. He stood up for um, against the Biden administration multiple times. He stood up against uh, vaccine mandates. He's, I mean, so he's done some things that you look and you go pretty good. But, um, you know, when you think about Eric Greitens and what's going on in this state, it just seems like it really is an establishment, Mitch McConnell, um, you know, uh, Carl Rove type in Schmidt over MAGA type in Greitens. What's your feelings on it? Well, I always look at where the money is coming from. I look at who the consultants are. Uh, Jeff Rowe is the lead consultant on Eric Schmidt's campaign. Uh, Jeff Rowe is a, a bag of dirty tricks that I've been up against many times. It ha is infamous, as, as many states have someone who likes to get involved in primaries and make sure that the person that actually comes out of the primary loses to the ultimate 
loses to the Democrat ultimately. Uh, that's the kind of uh, consultant that Jeff Rowe is. Um, and uh, he brings in a lot of billions behind him. And I guess if that's your priority when you're running for office, then maybe I'm just not the kind of person that would vote for you. And that's kind of where I fall on this. Also, as it has been pointed out many times on your show, it is not time for people that just do nice things and pretty packages to get reelected. It is time for a fighter. We have a Rhodes Scholar, a Navy SEAL, and Eric Greitens. Um, and I'll tell you what's not cool, Damon. What's really not cool is that Ronna McDaniel meddled in the Missouri Senate primary and got Trump, according to Politico. an article today in Politico, uh, got Trump to withhold the endorsement from Greitens. Yeah, not cool. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and listen, you can make an argument here that this seat could be the swing seat if uh, if the if the Republicans are going to take control of the Senate. I mean, there's an absolute case to be made that this seat is an absolute essential. I know people will say, well, Schmidt or Greitens, either one's going to win. I mean, but um, I don't think we could take anything for granted going into this election season. And this is absolutely a seat that could tip the power uh, of the Senate one way or the other. Dr. G, we'll come right back to you. Let's hit the first break. We'll get Rick Delgado in here as well. Lots to do on a busy primary Tuesday, live from Studio 6B. Just getting started. Live from Studio 6B and on a primary Tuesday, um, Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Washington. We'll talk about all of it. Big night for President Trump. Really, um, you know, we always talk about the weight of the Trump endorsement. But tonight, you know, the president's, not to use uh, fighting terms here, but he's looking to settle some scores on some real... Um, you know, people who voted for impeachment. So there's some things out there tonight to keep an eye on as well. We'll get back to uh, Dr. Gina in our West Palm studio to talk about that. But let's go to the other member tonight who is covering uh, the Real America's Voice family who's out there in Michigan. And that, of course, is the great Steve Gruber, who you see here each and every day, the host of America's Voice Live and someone who knows Tudor Dixon extremely well. Steve, how are you? Welcome on in. And um, this looks like it could be a real short night for you. What do you, what do you think? Well, Damon, let's be honest about the numbers that we have here. If you go back to last Friday, uh, four days ago, Michigan News Source uh, commissioned Trafalgar Group out of Atlanta to do a poll in this race. It put Tudor Dixon up by nine points. As a result of that poll, I am told, Donald Trump decided it was time to get involved in the race. He stepped in, endorsed that night at about 8 o'clock, endorsed Tudor Dixon, then did a teleconference yesterday, a call-in conference where he and Tudor Dixon were on the phone together with anybody who wanted to call in. A brand new poll released last night also from Michigan News Source and Trafalgar, which I consider an A poll, the gold standard out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, her, her lead had gone from 28% to 20%. She jumped to 41% to 
Kevin Rinke's 19%. She has a 22-point lead. It went up 13 points, and I think that the momentum is just building because as more people learn about the endorsement, her numbers have gotten exceptionally strong. She's at 41%. The undecideds are only at 10%. Uh, the second-place uh, contestant uh, candidate, if you will, is at 19%, Kevin Rinke from Southeast Michigan. So for Tudor Dixon, first-timer, in fact, as you mentioned, somebody I worked with for years, my co-anchor on America's Voice Live right here on Real America's Voice, is poised to become the Republican nominee to run against Gretchen Whitmer, one of the more controversial governors in America. She kept people locked down more than other governors. When Florida was back in school with her kids, in session, in person, in Florida and Texas and other schools were like that, Michigan stayed locked down. Uh, you may remember Gretchen Whitmer told people they couldn't go to the gardening section of Home Depot. They told people they could use boats, just not motors. They could go golfing, but not with a golf cart. And these sorts of things have really created a competitive atmosphere here. Uh, Donald Trump called her that uh, that woman from Michigan, Big Gretchen, and she has embraced that. But now you've got two women that are going to square off, I'm quite certain, to run for governor on November the 8th here in Michigan. Tudor Dixon poised to compete very well. She is supported by Right to Life of Michigan, the DeVos family, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce, and the list goes on. So, Damon, I'm going to tell you, uh, in Michigan, because we have the Upper Peninsula, that's in the central time zone. Uh, we won't officially close the polls until 9 o'clock at the west end of the UP, places like Iron Mountain. So we'll have to wait until 9 o'clock for returns to be revealed. We're also told that more than 40% of the people voting, which is expected to be 2.5 million people in the primary, have already voted. According to another polling company, Mitchell Polling out of Lansing, Tudor was winning that by about 13 points. The people that have already voted, she was leading by 13 points, Damon. It's probably going to be a short night. Yes, I, I, I know her well. I got to know her here for several years on yeah. Real America's Voice. And one day she called me and said, uh, Steve, I, I think I'm going to run for governor. What do you think of that? And from what I knew of Tudor, I looked at her and I said, I think you're going to win. We'll see how it plays out, but I think tonight could be a short night. And again, the Trafalgar poll puts her up by 22 points as of last night. She's sitting in good shape. She's upstairs right now with her daughters and her husband. I just sat uh, in the restaurant over here talking to her in-laws. Uh, they're very excited. Uh, they're ready to give a speech here. And trust me, she's ready to face Gretchen Whitmer straight on and take it uh, to November 8th. Yeah. Um, yeah, early on here, we got 3% reporting, just to, just so everybody knows what I see. Uh, she's got 18,536 votes, representing 47.3% of the early vote, 3% in. Kevin Rinke is at 22.9%, representing about 8,900 votes. You know, Steve, one of the things that I took exception to, and I certainly don't claim to know Tudor nearly as well. that is. Go ahead. Uh, I t well, in Michigan, the law is that those early mail-in votes, they couldn't open those until 7 o'clock. So those would be the early mail-in votes that are being counted right now. They're not day-of votes. But that's a very good indication of what I was hearing from Mitchell uh, Research out of Lansing, that Tudor was uh, doing well with those early mail-in votes. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but nope. I thought that was an important yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. P totally fine. So what I was going to say was one of the things I took exception to, and I don't claim to know Tudor nearly as well as you do, or I'm sure other people know, but I mean, I, I spent some time with her, obviously here at the network, at CPACs and other things that we did, and I, I talked to her about issues. Sure. This whole thing that came out that all of a sudden, you know, we, people just throw around the word rhino. If, if there's one or two things that they don't seem to like, oh, or yeah. they attach her to something that they don't know, and all of a sudden she's a rhino, and I'm thinking to myself, number one, how would anybody know? She's, like you said, a newcomer. 
who's talked to her number two and number three from what I can tell she's about the farthest thing from a rhino. Uh, you're spot on, Damon. Here's the deal. Uh, I started seeing those ads about Tudor Dixon being a rhino. Nobody knows Tudor better than I do. I've known her for many years now. Uh, we worked together at this network. She actually worked for me for a period of time at another uh, uh, broadcast company, if you will. Uh, Tudor Dixon's more conservative than I am on some things, which I find shocking. Uh, but when it comes to pro-life, she's unapologetically pro-life. She's pro-job uh, in Michigan. She is very much in support of the Second Amendment. She's very much in support of the little guy, the small business owner. I can tell you that Tudor Dixon is a true believer in this country, in free people, in free markets, in free minds. That's who she is. And she really can lead a consensus. She really can be somebody that brings people together, I believe, because that's who she is. And here's something else, Damon. Uh, when she first got into this race, I saw some pundits say she had a less than 2% chance of coming through the primary. Those same pundits are now saying she has only a 10 to 15% chance of winning the general election. If I'm a betting man, Damon, my money's on Tudor. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Steve, thanks very much. We'll check back with you here as the hour goes on. Like you said, it could be an early night. Polls close at 8 and at 9 because of the time change, like you said. So we'll check back with Steve, the great Steve Gruber, at Tudor Dixon headquarters there Thank in you. Michigan. Let me bring back in Dr. Gene Loudon from our West Palm Beach studios. And uh, Dr. G, Tudor, somebody who you've obviously you've known as well. This whole, um, you know, Betsy DeVos threw some money in here. President Trump was kind of late to the late to the game with the endorsement. But I mean, I, I've never found anything about Tudor to be uh, quote unquote Mitch McConnell, Carl Rove type rhinos. Uh, what was your what's your feeling on what's going on with her in Michigan? Uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with that race, honestly, because I've been so very involved in the Missouri race and in Kerry Lake's uh, races as well and so uh, those are sort of the races i focused on um, but i want to say something if i can about what we were talking about before about why this senate race the the actual nuts and bolts of the candidates there matter so much uh, and a lot of people know this but if you're new to politics you may not realize that once a senator is there is elected they don't tend to go anywhere they tend to stay elected forever for a long long time a u.s senator so that's why somebody like greitens who's such a fighter uh it, it it impressed upon me that i just needed to come out and say that i was for him even though i try to stay sort of out of these uh sorts of races this time i i couldn't because i couldn't stand watching the fighter be attacked nonstop the way i saw president trump attacked frankly yeah now um i only got about uh, less than about 30 seconds here but um you spoke to president trump i guess was it yesterday i did i did he often asked me about these different races when he knows that i have an opinion on them so he called me yesterday afternoon and asked me uh, what i thought about the missouri race and i was absolutely as honest as i could be i thought that greitens should have his endorsement um you know kimberly and don jr have also uh, endorsed him and or endorsed Eric Greitens and so um, I think it's I thought it was important and uh, I wish that he had gone that way I mean he did endorse Eric Greitens <laughs> but it was a little ambiguous as you know um, in any way I, you know the President Trump is just always going to be President Trump yeah all right uh, let's hit a break we'll get back with Dr. G right after this check the polls Michigan and Missouri both have closed votes are coming in we'll let you know what we see
midterms begins at CPAC, Texas. Join President Trump, Sean Hannity, Steve Bannon, and a packed house of conservative all-stars. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. A big red wave is coming. It all starts at CPAC, Texas. Fire Pelosi. Save America. And then a Republican president will return to the White House. Who, who, who will that be? The American Conservative Union is responsible for the content of this advertising. All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a primary Tuesday night. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. And, of course, we have an all-star team all over the country. David Zier's in Missouri. Steve Gruber in Michigan. Dr. G is down in West Palm in our studios down there. Ben Burkwam out in Arizona. Um, Rick Delgado's here with me in studio in New York. What do you uh, what do you think so far? Pretty cool. Pretty impressive. Um, I love the coverage. I love that we got people everywhere in the country checking in. And uh, it's just uh, it's it's exciting. What race? Um, <laughs> what race are you keeping your eye on tonight? I think the Eric's all three. I just feel like, you know what, and Dr. Gina made a point. She's, she she feels like Trump meant, you know, really wants greatness to win. I, I just think Why it was. Why not say uh, it then? Exactly. Why not say it? I know there are some things, you know, background, you know, people on both sides. He's get, You know, you've got Schmidt, who's got a bunch of people on, who are on Trump's side saying, hey, you should vote for our guy. Uh, you got, of course, his son and, and uh Gilfoyle and a few others on the other side saying, no, vote for our guy. Maybe he likes them both. He's like, you know what? I can't decide. And maybe he's of the mind of, you know what? Whichever one wins, I'm going to back because I think they can win the general. We have David Zier out at um, uh, Missouri um, Greitens headquarters. Uh, so, David, I mean, we're talking about the um, I don't know. I just it's kind of weird. And I've seen it described all kinds of different ways. The kind of vote for Eric's kind of non-committal to both. Dr. Gina said she talked to the president. She made a strong case for Greitens. I know. um, I mean, former Navy SEAL. I mean, I don't I don't. What do you make of the way he went about that dropping that uh, kind of Eric leave it to the people? Well, I just texted Eric Greitens for an update on exit polling, and I have breaking news. He said 82% of the people say David Zier is awesome, and 18% <laughs> say he's phenomenal. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, breaking news here. Uh, now, we don't St. have uh, two Lewis, Davids. Uh, oh, actually, we so, do have two Davids. We have David. Uh, see, at least he said David Zier. He didn't just say David, because then we wouldn't know if it's you or if it's... Uh, you know, because we have multiple it could Davids. Be Brody. It Brody, could be right. Brody. Yeah, it's funny. That's funny. So uh, I did speak to Dylan Johnson, Eric Greitens' campaign manager, a few minutes ago. He said they were very confident uh, going in here. You know, St. Louis County is a little purplish. Uh, it's not as MAGA as the rest of Missouri. St. Charles County here is probably the reddest county here. But my ear is on the ground here, and people are upset that Trump did not give a definitive endorsement for Eric Greitens. Uh, people think that he is the MAGA candidate. Although they like Eric Schmidt, uh, some of his stuff, you know, suing the Biden administration twice on COVID, I think on illegals. Um, I, but I think that when it comes down to it, Eric Schmidt is not considered a, a really big MAGA guy. And that Eric Greitens 
is. So, you know, that's the word on the ground here. Uh, you know, we do have the first results coming in, but it's less than 1%. I think soon we'll have, you know, some action here on the ground. Yeah. Now, you've got like 21 Republicans seeking this, obviously, this seat. Now, um, right. Once you get past, so right now what I see, like you said, less than 1%, Schmidt, 861 votes, Vicki uh, Hartzer, uh, 680, and then Greitens at 361, but again, less than 1%, not much to go off of there. But then you look, McCloskey, Billy Long, Patrick Lewis, um, you know, they all have got some votes. You add them all up, it's not a significant amount, but I mean, given it right now, if Eric Greitens had all of those votes... He'd be a lot closer to Eric Schmidt, even though, again, there's almost nothing in here. All right. Do you think these people end up taking away from Greitens tonight, or do they take away both equally from the, from the top tier? I do. Which one? No, I do. We went through this in Pennsylvania. You know, I don't think Mehmet Oz would have been elected if the bottom four candidates, who got 12% in the Pennsylvania primary, didn't run. Carla Sands, she helped Trump restore NATO. Uh, she was the ambassador to Netherlands or Denmark, I believe, and the two or three other candidates that ran. You know, that 12% probably would have went to McCormick, uh, you know, and some of it to Kathy Barnett. I don't know if it would have went to Oz. Um, so this is a phenomenon around the country. There's a huge schism in the GOP. Everybody wants to run for office, and you have, you know, 7, 10, 15 people at a time. It's happening in Alaska with Sarah Palin. Now you got the top four candidates running. Um, you know, it used to be the GOP made a decision and they went with it and maybe had a two-way primary, maybe three. Uh, but I think that's changed. The GOP, in my opinion, in a, in a lot of these counties and states in the United States has alienated the people. Um, people want, you know, investigations on voter fraud, election integrity. They want to be insured. They're hurting. They don't want globalist candidates, globalism. They don't want the Mitch McConnell type crowd. Uh, so all the people that I've spoken to on the ground today, and granted I am in a, a red area, um, were disappointed, you know, that Trump didn't come out uh, outright and endorse a candidate. Uh, probably, preferably, Greitens. Hey, hey, David, this is Rick. And uh, I was just checking the Getter chat, and 100% yeah. of the people said they love David's ear. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Quick question. Oh, now it's though. 100? Now it's 100, yeah. <laughs> but it's just on Getter, yeah. so, this, you know. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this, okay. because, I mean, you're down on the ground, and, you know, you make reference to you wish Trump had made the endorsement of Greitens or whoever and just be done with it. What is your sense? What is your sense around the campaign there? I mean, are people buzzing? Do you feel a lot of energy? Because that's, a, you know, from from what we were taking away earlier in Michigan, there seemed to be a lot of good feeling and buzz uh, going on in Michigan um, that David was sharing with us. And, 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 you know, and so I want to find out from you what you're getting from the crowd there and, and what you're seeing. Um, well, here. It's very, uh, you know, riled up. Um, I don't see, compared to other states that I've been to, you know, we just got back from the Alaska rally and other places. Um, I don't see the same energy on the ground, but I am in St. Louis County. It's not the most conservative area. You know, they still have Kim Gardner over here and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Soros back DA. Um, you know, uh, McCloskey is a likable guy. I don't see, I think there's a little bit of an enthusiasm gap, but I think that's around the country too in some states. 
because I've seen voter turnout. You know, the Democrats in Pennsylvania and Erie County, like nobody showed up, right? right? I've seen it in the Zeldin primary for governor. There was a low turnout in the city, in Manhattan, very low turnout. You know, so uh, maybe there's some of that here. We were at the uh, Chesterfield Town Hall. I spoke to the mayor earlier. You know, in the way these mayors get elected here in the counties, they're not elected by party. They're not allowed to run on a party line. Right. So there isn't that like fanfare of, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm a conservative. You know, they don't even talk about it. This guy didn't want to give it like a, an interview on TV, you know, uh, you know, about party politics. Right. Um, and the turnout, in my opinion, was light at the center. But I can't speak, you know, factually and statistically about the voter turnout. But Dr. Gina said it's probably about 25 percent in the primary you know, maybe more, um, but it's not huge. All right. So now, now, now real quick, before deserve, I turn you right? back over to Damon, um, what about the intern? Ha have you spoken to anybody from the Greitens campaign? Have they done any internal polling that they're like, hey, you know what? Things look good here. Uh, you know, we're expecting this type of turnout. We're expecting this kind of number. Did, have you gotten anything from them in, in that sense? Um, well, I've gotten I've gotten uh, some feedback from Dylan Johnson, the campaign manager for Eric Greitens about a half hour ago. He's going to come on over here in a little while. I don't know if I could pull him into a live shot. We'll see. Uh, but he said he would give me some updates and some numbers. They felt very confident. They're very energetic. Eric Greitens has been all over the state. He's been all over the place. Um, I think it's maybe more of a grassroots campaign than the three billionaires that are funding Eric Schmidt's race. Mm -hmm. uh, but Eric Schmidt has a lot of support from, the, from notables, like we were talking about earlier, you know. Yeah, right. um, but both sides do. Both sides do. All right, uh, David Zier at Greitens headquarters. We'll keep checking back with him as the numbers continue to roll in. Let's go back to West Palm Beach, G, if we can. Dr. Gina obviously has great insight into this state, great insight into this race. She talked to President Trump yesterday about this race. So, uh, Dr. G, I'll pose the same question to you. We've got a couple minutes left here in this segment. Do you have a strong feeling on why, even after your conversation, a, a, a voice that he obviously trusts and welcomes in these situations, do you have any uh, idea why he ended up kind of going with the double or non-committal, whatever you want to call it, in the end? Yeah, it's a weird thing, Damon. I, you know, my background's in psychology, but I told my husband one time, and I've, and I've said it a million times since, usually not on air and definitely never the president, but I feel like since I met him, I have read his brain like a t ticker, and the things he does make sense to me, and sometimes I feel like they don't make sense to other people. And I think Donald Trump was very strategic about what he did in this. Uh, many people are saying, you know, he was trying to be funny, they don't think it's funny, et cetera. Um, what he did was he came out several days, I think more than a week before this primary, said, definitely not Vicki Hartzler. Do not vote for Vicki Hartzler. I mean, he was very clear about that. She is not MAGA, he said. And mind you, these are his opinions. These are my friends. My husband served with Vicki Hartzler. I love her. She's a friend. But that doesn't mean that I think she should be the next U.S. Senator in this particular race. Um, then he came out, and on True Social, he said, wow, great dishonesty in politics. That's too bad. It's not the place of party apparatus. Um, you know, uh, sorry. Um, he, said, he said that he felt like it was dishonest of uh, Eric Schmidt to... Uh, go ahead and um, say the things that he said about Donald Trump, about the polling numbers in Missouri and all the rest of it. So uh, so that was something that he was very clear about as well. So finally, we have him saying he endorses Eric, 
Well, there's nobody left among those three for him to say that he endorses. So I feel like um, this was an endorsement, maybe a tacit one, but an endorsement of Eric Greitens. And I think his reason was is because he doesn't want Eric Schmidt, if elected, because of the fake polls that I explained in my show in the monologue, if elected, he would not want Eric Schmidt to fall into the arms of Mitch McConnell because Donald Trump doesn't endorse him. Because as I said, MAGA or no MAGA, once somebody's in that U.S. Senate seat, once they win, they're there forever. There's no real Democrat to speak up. This will go to the victor tonight. And on the outside chance, that is Schmidt. I don't think Donald Trump wanted it, wanted him to have a bone to pick with him. And But I do think that Donald Trump meant that as an endorsement of Eric Greitens. Yeah, you know, to uh, to your point on the polls and what the GOP seems to be, establishment seems to be doing in the state, there's an article today in the Republic Brief um, entitled, Establishment GOP Caught Red-Handed in Scam to Take Out Senate Can- Candidate Eric Greitens. And it talks just mm. about the fact of, of these phony voter surveys to manipulate public opinion in the days leading up to the primary election. And, and I mean, they point to that tweet that you said about the president saying, wow, great dishonesty in politics, too bad. But um, I'll link to it on our social media. But it is interesting, some of the things that have been going on in that, of course, and then the political article you read about Rona McDaniel, who, I mean, there's so many things to me that you could be looking at her and going, why she's in that position, I have no idea. But um it does seem to be yeah. some funny business going on in Missouri. Well, we'll, yeah. well yeah. Let me hit the break, Dr. Just, Gina. Yeah, let me hit the break. We'll come, right, come back right to Go it. Go ahead. Thanks. All right. We'll continue to follow the numbers coming in. They're coming in slow in Missouri. Still less than 1% reporting. Uh, we'll go back over and check in Michigan. Kansas is also closed. Haven't talked much about that. We'll look at that as well. Right now, Tudor Dixon still commanding lead in Michigan. We'll take a look at all the numbers across the board when we get back. Studio 6B on a special election primary coverage tonight. Let me run you through everything we know so far. Let's start in Kansas. We haven't talked too much about the Kansas races. Uh, For governor, of course, you have Governor Laura Kelly. She's the Democrat. She's expected to win her primary. And uh, yes, she's going to do that because there's almost no other votes for anyone else. Laura (laughs) Kelly so far, 12% reporting. She's got 97% of the vote. So she's going to win. On the Republican side, you have Derek Schmidt. Uh, 17,607 votes. He's in the lead, 76% of the vote. Arlen Briggs is second with 23.7. So it looks like Derek Schmidt's in a pretty, um, with only 6% reporting so far, though. But Derek Schmidt with a commanding lead there. Laura Kelly's going to win. The big thing out of Kansas is obviously this question on the ballot tonight. Should the state constitution be amended to remove protections of abortion rights? Right now, no is at 67.4%. That's 34,548 votes. Yes is at 32.6%, 16,746. Should the state constitution be amended to remove protections of abortion rights so far, no is at 67%. Secretary of State 
Scott Schwab so far is at 61% over Mike Brown, who's at 40%. The Democrat there run, uh, ran unopposed. And for Attorney General Chris Kobach, um, who is uh, Secretary of State right now, this, is a, this one's tight, this race. Chris Kobach, Kelly Warren, Tony Mativi are all pretty much in a dead heat right now with, again, only 6% reporting for Attorney General. In the Senate race, Jerry Moran on the Republican side, 80% of the vote over Joan Farr. And on the Democratic side, Mark Holland uh, with 47% over Paul Buskirk. In the U.S. House race there, Amanda Atkins, 75% of the vote, but again, only 1% reporting. And yes, some other House races that uh, votes are barely starting to trickle in. So that, that's what's going on in Kansas. Uh, over in Michigan for Governor Tudor Dixon, 50,559 votes, representing 44.3%, continuing to hold about that 25-point lead. Kevin Rinke, 23,000 at 20%. So a 24.3% lead for Tudor right now. That's with about 9% reporting, uh, and she will most likely be the one to face off against Ava Perone. Uh, in the House race in the third district there, and this is where, um, you know, Trump, this is really kind of a, you know, settle some scores night. Peter Maher, I believe is how you pronounce it, Maher, maybe, uh, and John Gibbs, that's in the third district, of course, Maher. <laughs> What's amazing about this race is this guy votes for, sells out the Republican Party, votes for Trump impeachment, and the DCCC has been running, for, to thank him, has been running ads for John Gibbs, pretty much. Who is, if John Gibbs wins tonight, they'll, the DCCC will immediately turn around and say that he's a uh, threat to democracy or yes. whatever the hell they're going to do. He, so I think they call him an election denier. Yes. Uh, so that's what's really amazing about that race. Eighth District, um, Paul Jung, or Young, 2,000 votes representing 56% over Candace Miller at 21, Matthew Seeley at 21. That's the 8th district. And then you have the 11th district, Mark Ambrosa, 18,000 votes representing 70%. And on the Democratic side, Haley Stevens at 59%. And then you've got uh, Talib, 12th district. Uh, She's in the, uh, remarkably, again, in a lead. Uh, 56%. And then the 13th district, another Democrat district, you've got Adam Hollier, John Conyers, who you might know, very familiar name, and Sherry DeGagno. And there's no votes in in that race so far. So that's what's going on in Michigan. Over to Missouri, 2% now reporting. Eric Schmidt, 6,600 votes, 44.6%. Vicki Hartzler in second with 24.4%, 3,600 votes. Eric Greitens in third with 2,400 votes, representing 16%. So Schmidt out to a 44% to Vicky's 24 to Greitens 16. On the Democratic side, uh, Trudy Valentine, 50% of the vote. Um, she's got about a 25 percentage point lead so far. In the U.S. House, 4th District, Mark Alfred's got the lead at 30%. Rick Bratton's in second at 25 in the 7th District, Eric Burlinson is in the lead at 28%. Again, these are just barely 1% reporting, so not much. Uh, still things can happen there. So uh, that's an update on what we have so far. Uh, what, what are your early 
What are your early thoughts here? Um, you know, when you're talking about 1%, it's so hard to really get a feel because it's it's such a small, small number. I feel like once we start getting to that 50%, 60%, I think you'll start to see you know, kind of settling. It's like, all right, what are we expecting? Are the favorites starting to pull away, so to speak? Okay. Um, Do we have a race call, G? Is that official? They call it for Tudor? I'm not 100% sure. I think we're getting word from Gruber, but uh, we're not. uh, Let me get back to you. Let me confirm for sure. I have only 9% reporting, but obviously if they don't think the votes are there, they'll call it as soon as they think. But uh, she's got a 25 percentage point lead right now in that primary. Again, the president's endorsement just a couple days ago. I mean, uh, unless they don't expect a, a big turnout and they're thinking, you know what, she's got a number that can't be overcome. Well, you know, it seems the, a little early. The turnout thing is always interesting because obviously there's always things we think about on these prime. And I don't know if Dr. Gene is, if, if Dr. G is still there, if she wants to jump in on this, that's fine. But, you know, turnout's always a thing. And the turnout in these primaries is always somewhat, you know, abysmal. And then people. You know, if they yeah. got involved earlier, if they got involved in the primary times, you know, a lot of these establishment rhino kind of dinosaur uh, candidates would get primaried a lot more often. And then, but problem is that people in Dr. G, you know, this they wait until it's election, and then you've got choice A and choice B, and that's pretty much it at that point. Yeah. You, you really have to hammer, you know, every single to every single friend you have, uh, those of us who have shows have to hammer that the primaries where it's really where the country is really lost or won. Um, it's the most important part of what we do as voters, certainly not the general, but the primary. Uh, so I hope everybody in this audience uh, voted today in this primary. Um, also, I think one of the things about these return numbers, Damon, that's so important is where are these numbers coming from? You know, I know as if those numbers, for example, from Missouri were coming in from Kansas City, then there's no chance that anyone except Schmidt is winning, right? But if those numbers were coming in from St. Louis, where he's from, then that doesn't necessarily mean anything because when the numbers come in from the other side of the state and from outstate, it might take it away from Schmidt because those people vote in bigger numbers. So, so that's why it's so important where these percentages are reporting from before any races are actually called. Um, if I can, Damon, do you mind if I go back to this uh, one comment I had about Rana? I just want to make yeah. sure everybody has in their memory bank kind of the things that she's done so far. Yeah, go ahead. So Rana McDaniel, of course, was the, the person who someone leaked this story to Politico. First of all, someone who was in the room leaked this story to Politico. And I don't know about you all, but I doubt if it was Kimberly and I doubt if it was Don Jr. My guess is it was Rana McDaniel. Now, I don't know that, but it doesn't even matter because what I do know is that it reported and she hasn't disputed that she was trying to keep Trump from endorsing Greitens. Um, but I want to take everybody back for just a moment because I know sometimes it's hard to have long memories and all this, but I've been in this forever. Um, I cut my teeth on politics and Ron is the one who called the retreat. Do you remember this? Um, she called the retreat to take the RNC to Amelia Island. And do you know when she planned that retreat for? Do you guys remember this? Does anybody uh, over there at 6B out of you studs remember? <laughs> no, I do not. I have to say I do not. Does not ring mm-hmm. a bell. Well, it was during probably what was the most important 
Senate race, U.S. Senate race, uh, we've had in a long, long time. It was when we lost the Senate in Georgia, Georgia in January of 2021. It was that Georgia runoff. Yeah, the runoff. Now, if you are the chairman of the GOP, why in the world would you plan that then? And I can tell you, my husband was there. One of our RAV reporters were there. They were the only two people in the entire room watching that race that day at that arena because Ronna McDaniel had no one there to watch it. No attorneys. All right, Dr. No G, we got to wrap. We got to finish the hour. We'll get back to that because I got a, a lot of issues with her as well on the election. Then we'll go to Steve Gruber live in Michigan with what we think might be the first call of the night. from Studio 6B, hour two. Man, it's going fast on a primary, busy primary election night. Uh, Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Washington. We're all on watch tonight. We've got people all over the country. David Zier's in Missouri with the Greitens campaign. Dr. Gina Loudon's in our West Palm studio. Ben Burkwam's out in Arizona with Carrie Lake and everything going out in Arizona. But right now, let's go back out to Michigan, the host of America's Voice Live each and every day right here on Real America's Voice, the great Steve Gruber is with us. Um, Steve, what do we have there? Is it officially a call yet in Michigan? From what I can see, 10% in. Tudor Dixon, 58,000 votes. Kevin Rinke, 26,000. So a solid 24-point lead still for Tudor Dixon. What do you have out there? Damon, we've got two uh, outlets now calling the race for Tudor Dixon, that being the Cook Political Report, Dave Wasserman. Let me read the tweet that he put out just a bit ago. I've seen enough. Tudor Dixon wins the Michigan governor GOP primary and will face Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the fall. Cook Political rates it a lean Democrat. MERS News out of Lansing, Michigan, one of the leading uh, capital reporting uh, operations in the state's capital, says once the race is underdog, Tudor Dixon wins the nomination for governor so there's two breaking news articles from reputable sources here in just the last few minutes you saw the numbers there damon she is way ahead and remember these are the votes being counted that have been cast in the previous days because the votes from today have not yet been counted but under michigan law after seven o'clock at night they can start counting those early votes it represented about forty percent of the vote taken that means that tudor dixon was ahead in the early vote as well and we know since donald trump's endorsement on Friday night. She jumped at least 13 points in the Michigan News Source poll done by the Trafalgar Group out of Atlanta, Georgia. She went from 28% support to 41% support and a 22% lead. It seems to me tonight, looking at these numbers, Damon, she may outperform what was predicted by Trafalgar in the last poll that came out just last night in conjunction with the MichiganNewsSource.com. So there it is. You can hear the crowd going wild as they put up uh, returns on the screen behind me. But again, the Cook Political Report. 
and MERS News in Lansing, a capital reporting operation, well-respected, both calling the race for Tudor Dixon just a few moments ago. The Detroit News and other outlets have not made the call yet, but this looks like this race is up and down, and it looks like Tudor Dixon, the one-time conservative, the one-time conservative commentator here on this network, my co-worker, is going to be the candidate for governor in the state of Michigan to take on Gretchen Whitmer November the 8th. It's going to be a fun fall, I'll tell you that, Damon. <laughs> you know, Steve, looking at the map so far, too, and you could speak to, obviously, the makeup of the state and the areas, but it looks like the southern part of the state right now is heavily where the votes have been counted and coming in, and it's pretty much all red for Dixon. And you look at the places where it's yellow for Rinky so far, seems like it's more into the center of the state, maybe tending a little more north. Does the makeup tell us about the makeup of the state and then how that will affect obviously going into November? Where, where will it matter for Tudor? Well, I can tell you the strategy always has to be southeastern Michigan because that's Detroit, that's Wayne County, that's Oakland and Macomb. Those are the biggest, most populous parts of the state. And when she went out on her campaign ad rollout, she focused almost exclusively on the Detroit area and the Detroit suburbs of those counties. She then shifted to focus into Grand Rapids and then to Traverse City to the north. So in order to win Michigan, you have to have a strong showing as a Republican in southeast Michigan. You don't have to win it but you can't lose it by a large margin. Otherwise, you'll be penalized in the final score, if you will. So the strategy has to be who is going to be her running mate. Is it going to be somebody from southeastern Michigan? Because that obviously would make political sense. The question is, who would it be? Obviously, she's going to be strong in West Michigan. That's Grand Rapids. That's Muskegon. Those are the western counties that tend to be more conservative to begin with. Traverse City is a place that had Rinky stronger than Tudor Dixon in the last couple of days. But Traverse City will likely fall in line with Tudor Dixon as well as a win like this, Damon will quickly consolidate the Republican Party. If it was really close and a nail-biter, it's harder to consolidate in agreement on who the winner is, like we saw in Pennsylvania recently with that close race for the GOP. With Tudor Dixon up by better than 20 points, it'll be much easier for her to consolidate power, get the people behind her, and move forward. And the Republican Governors Association likely to spend millions of dollars, along with the DeVos family and others, to get Tudor Dixon elected. Now, as a point of fact, uh, if she were to defeat Gretchen Whitmer, it would be the first time in decades that a Michigan governor did not win their first re-election attempt in 60 years, I believe it is. A long time. So I had somebody say this to me. Tudor Dixon is the George W. Bush of 2022, and I said, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, Ann Richards was not beatable in 1996 in the state of Texas, yet George W. Bush did it. An upstart, yes, from a political family, but they say they see a lot of similarities between Tudor Dixon's retail political ability and her ability to win over people when she meets them, to outperform expectations and be an underdog that can really deliver when it matters most. You know, sticking with that thought, Steve, let me ask you this, and you make some uh, just fabulous points, but let me, let me ask you this, because some would say, and I'm not calling Tudor this, but some say you look at like Republican, let's call them unconventional nominees, and you look at already what's happening with like lagging Dr. Oz down nine. 
Herschel Walker down four. Not that those races mean anything yet. They're not down. Oz, I think maybe, I don't know. We'll see what happens in Pennsylvania. But we know what people think of when you think of a Dr. Oz, a TV personality. You think of Herschel Walker, college football player. Will Tudor be put into that category? How does she get out of that? Will that matter in a state where a governor who is as unlikable a person as you can have in Ava Perone or Gretchen Whitmer, as you guys call her. I call her Ava Perone because she thinks she's ruling over her own state like a Vita there. Um, will she be able to avoid that label of being this unconventional Republican kind of TV turned, um, you know, politician candidate? Yes. The answer is yes, Damon, and here's why. You're making the wrong comparison. Uh, just to be uh, honest about it, the comparison should be to Glenn Youngkin. Tudor Dixon has four daughters, young daughters, all in school. She's about parental rights. She's about schools of choice. She's unapologetically un pro-life. She's pro-Second Amendment. She believes in the family. She believes in faith. She believes in this country, and she believes in the state of Michigan. She does not uh, have a fair comparison to the other two, but to Glenn Youngkin and what he did in Virginia in November of last year, that is a fair comparison. In fact, we've already heard that Glenn Youngkin is planning to come to the state of Michigan in the next few days to support Tudor Dixon in a big rally. We'll have details on that coming up pretty soon, but Glenn Youngkin will be making his way here very soon to support Tudor Dixon. I would expect to see other high-profile governors and senators and others coming to Michigan soon. I wouldn't be surprised to see the former president, Donald Trump, in Michigan soon to support Tudor Dixon, who he gave his endorsement to very late on Friday night. But again, it moved the polls in double-digit fashion. It means Tudor Dixon is cruising to an easy victory tonight here in Michigan. Again, against all odds, maybe, but the real comparison, I say, is to Virginia. Um, Steve, Rick Delgado has a question for you here on a race that's not happening tonight, but also one that's going to be very important in Michigan. Yeah, and Steve, uh, uh, let me ask you this, because Secretary of State is very important. We saw with Gretchen Whitmer, her, uh, her sidekick there, Jocelyn Benson, uh, you know, kind of kind of acting as her wing person in instituting a lot of the things that she did during the lockdowns. Um, do you foresee or have you heard anything about uh, Christina Caramo? She's also Trump endorsed and her her uh, race comes up towards the end of the I month. I spoke to Christina Caramo today. I, I think Christina Caramo will do. Uh, She'll do well in the general election, better than people are giving her credit for. And again, Tudor Dixon has become a very popular figure in Michigan in a short period of time. Remember when she entered the race, she was given less than a 2% chance by pundits that know to survive the primary. Those same pundits now are saying, well, she has less than a 15% chance of winning the general election. You know what? I'd take my chances right now and bet on Tudor Dixon. All the momentum is with her. She can carry people like Christina Caramo over the finish line. Christina Caramo is a likable candidate. And let's be honest, people are not thrilled with Gretchen Whitmer or Dana Nessel, the Attorney General, or Jocelyn Benson, the Secretary of State. And this is a real opportunity in Michigan. And, and what's more important, I think, is this. Even if Christina Caramo came up short on Election Day, and I'm not saying she will or won't, but much more important would be to have that Republican governor so that you could have election reform laws put through, that it would include voter ID, the elimination of mass mail-in ballots, and things of that nature. Because the Republicans in the House and Senate in Michigan have sent dozens, literally dozens of bills to the desk of Governor Gretchen Whitmer. She's vetoed every single one of them. Every single one. Tudor Dixon would not. 
And so when you talk about what happens with election reform and election security and election integrity, the job of governor is critical. As the Secretary of State is, I'll agree with that, but much more important is signing into law yeah. the laws that will make Michigan elections secure going forward. Absolutely. Steve Gruber at Tudor Dixon headquarters. We'll see if uh, once the race is officially called, if Tudor's going to speak, we'll try to take that live if we can. Steve, thank you very much. We'll get back to you. Um, man, just great stuff. And I mean, listen, this is why we've been arguing about governorships, why I've been arguing these governorships yeah. and these state legislatures and these people who directly affect your life. These are the races, man, that the Republicans need to be focused on. We need to get I mean, that's why I've been arguing this exact point. We've seen what can happen when you have a governor like you have in Florida. He continues to raise the bar on what governors can do. And um, yeah, I mean, and locally, that's where the power comes from. And then, you, you know, you brought up a good point before, and, and I think Dr. Gina brought it up as well uh, in terms of turnout, is that, you know, these primaries are, are probably even as equally important as a general because they will they will give you the opportunity to pick the person you actually want as opposed to getting to the general day in November and going, oh, I don't even like this person. Eh, he's okay or she's okay. Not really the person you wanted to see run for that particular office. And so maybe maybe that leads you to say, you know what, eh, I'm not going to vote. Or, okay, you know, you kind of hold your nose and do it. Um, but it, it, again, it's we're trying to weed out the uh, the pretenders, the, the Democrats that write, are next to their name and then run and either they go to lose on purpose or they go there to, to get elected as a Republican, but govern as a Democrat. Uh, just to get you caught up, by the way, Dave Wasserman, who uh, Steve Gruber says has pretty much never been wrong when he calls a race, has called uh, Eric Schmidt the winner, even really? though no one else has called that. He has called it, but only there's only six. I don't know. I mean, there's only six percent reporting. Uh, Eric Schmidt still does have a quite a substantial lead at 41.6%, about 21,000 votes in, uh, representing 41% of the vote. Vicki Hartzler still in second with 14,800, representing 29.4% of the vote. So about a 12 percentage point lead. And then Eric Greitens, 8,500 votes, representing still only about 16%. And again, if you look at any all the other people that are taking votes in that race, the other 18 people, uh, Mark McCloskey is in fourth uh, with only 1,500 votes. Um, you and, remember who he is, Of right? course. Okay. And it does look like now, if you add up all the other votes be to, behind the, top, the bottom three, even if they went to either candidate right now, if this lead holds for Schmidt, it's not going to, it really would not have not have made a difference and brought them any closer as of right now. But still, I have only 6% reporting. Dave Wasserman has called the race. I don't know what he's seeing, but that's where we're at. So, all right, we'll uh, take a short break. We'll go back over the numbers. We'll keep an eye out for any speeches, number one, in Michigan. Seventeen past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a primary Tuesday. Less than a hundred days to the uh, to the big election day. These primaries are going to come fast and furious here. Obviously, over the next six weeks, 
Let me give you the numbers where we have them right now. In Kansas, for governor, uh, the Republican primary, it's been called for Derek Schmidt, 77.1% of the vote, never really a race there. Same thing on the Democratic side, Laura Kelly with 95.7%. So it's Derek Schmidt and Laura Kelly there uh, for governor. Of course, Laura Kelly is the current governor. Um, should the state constitution be amended to remove protections of abortion rights? Still no, in a commanding lead, 65.3%. Um, and that's interesting because this is kind of people looking at this as kind of like the first test of uh, voters' feelings around the Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade. And this is on the ballot. And right now, no is uh, 64.8%, yes, 35.2%. Secretary of State Scott Schwab is still in the lead at 59.9% over Mike Brown. Uh, The Democratic candidate, obviously, Jenna Rapace, was uh, run, didn't have an opponent, so that's obviously uh, hers. For Attorney General, still a tight one. Chris Kobach, 39.2%. Kelly Warren, 35.2%. Uh, so those two are very, very close. It's about a 2,500-vote difference. Chris Mann on the Democratic side run unopposed. U.S. Senate, it's been called for Jerry Moran as the Republican primary winner. Jerry Moran on the Democratic side, it has not yet been called, but Mark Holland is in the um, in the lead over Paul Buskirk. And for U.S. House, uh, only 4% reporting, nothing, nothing there. So that's a lot of what's going on in Kansas. Uh, obviously, in Michigan, according to what I'm looking at, still not officially called here for Tudor Dixon, but still a commanding 23-point lead, 20, uh, 71,000 to 33,000 for Kevin Rinke. Actually, getting an update right now, 78,703 for Tudor, 36,606 for Kevin Rinke. So, again, still a 22-point lead uh, to face off against Gretchen Whitmer in the U.S. House 3rd District. Uh, John Gibbs, as votes have now started to come in in that race, 3% reporting. John Gibbs, 63% over uh, impeacher Peter Meyer, Mayer, uh, with 37%. So we'd like to see John Gibbs, I, th- I think, win that race for sure. In the eighth, Paul Young, 3,400 votes, 55% still early there. Uh, 11th District, Mark Ambrosia, um, 69% with 26% reporting, and the rest is the Democratic races. Out in Missouri, uh, Eric Schmidt, 31,604, representing 42%. Vicki Hartzler at 20,000, representing 27.8%. Eric Greitens at 12,800, representing 17%. So Eric Greitens still running third to Vicki uh, Hartzler and Eric Schmidt. Schmidt in the lead with 42.8%, with about 9%, at least by my numbers, reporting. On the Democratic side, Trudy Valentine, uh, with a 16 percentage point lead, 17,583. Uh, U.S. House races there. Mark Alfred, uh, Eric Burlinson in the ra- in the uh, in the lead there. So, all right, let's go out. That's pretty much the numbers as of right now. Again, Washington and Arizona still don't close until 10 p.m. Eastern time. Let's go out to Greitens headquarters in Missouri. David Zier's there, and I think he's got maybe some interviews on the ground there. David, what's going on in uh, Greitens headquarters? Uh, well, I got some really fun people here, one of which who escaped from New York, uh, Kim Franklin. How are you today? Come in the shot. Great. How are you today? Uh, well, I'm great. I'm great. You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in here. There's a lot of energy going on. Um, so you're originally from New York and now Missouri, right? 
Well, I was from St. Louis, moved to New York, lived there for about 25 years, and yeah. now I'm back in Missouri. So you know good pizza, you know good food. You're from Regal Park in Queens. Shout out to Regal Park. Um, so, uh, Kim Franklin, uh, tell us about the dynamics on the ground out here. What's going on today? And uh, are you happy with what Trump did? Um, well, I'm super excited for Eric Greitens to win the race, and I know he will. He's going to pull it out. I have no doubt about that. I'm super disappointed in President Trump, who I love and adore and support. Um, I, I think he should have endorsed Eric Greitens and said Eric Greitens. Now, now we're in St. Louis County. It's a little more uh, purpley over here, right? Uh, and then we're waiting for a lot of the rural counties to come in. Uh, looks like Eric Schmidt has a two-to-one lead, but there's only 5% of the vote in. You think uh, Greitens will pick up steam? Greitens is definitely going to pick up steam. He is going to do this. We are going to have victory tonight at the Greitens campaign. All right, Kim Franklin, I want to know how you actually escaped from New York. I watched Red Dawn many times, so uh, let me know your secret, all right? Okay. All right, we want to bring someone else very special with us. Thank you, Kim. Uh, we have uh, Joe Ball with us. Come on in the shot here. Uh, Joe, where are you from? From Kabul, Missouri. Uh, what's going on there? Oh, nothing much. It's a small town. Is that like Kabul, Afghanistan? Yeah, but it's spelled with a C. Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, we have about a minute or so. Tell us about why are you uh, out here tonight for Eric Greitens? So I just want Eric to know that the there's young voters out there who care uh, and want to make a change in the country and in our state. Yeah, what attracted you to him over Eric Schmidt? Um, I can kind of relate to having false accusations, actually. Yeah, well, I, you know, that happens a lot, and uh, it's definitely been a huge uh, campaign to, you know, undermine Greitens on uh, local, state, and national levels. I, a lot of the local media, uh, do you feel they've been fair to Greitens? I don't think they have. Yeah, but... yeah no, I understand. All right, so to give our audience... Uh, Tell them what you want to see from Trump. Are you happy with Trump's decision? Uh, I wish he would have been a little more clear in his endorsement or whatever you want to call it. But I'm happy with it now that it's kind of been finalized. All right. Well, Joe Ball, thank you very much, man. Uh, best of luck for you and uh, the person you're supporting tonight, Eric Greitens. Uh, we're over here. Uh, we're expecting Eric to show up at some point here. I just spoke to Dylan Johnson. They're coming in with some numbers soon. So back to you in the studio, Damon. All right, David Zier, thank you very much. Um, let's get, is Dr. G in West Palm G? Can we get her up? Because I'm uh, interested in her response. And uh, I mean, that first, that first uh, woman that David Zier had, Dr. G, I, I have to think. I mean, obviously, duh, at Greitens headquarters, that's the prevailing opinion. But, uh, you know, people who say, God, I love President Trump. I support him. I'll vote for him again. But, man, I just really wish he had just kind of been more clear here. Yeah, well, you know, Donald Trump's going to be Donald Trump. And uh, I, as I said before, my analysis is that I think if uh, if if by chance uh, Eric Greitens is not the victor tonight, he didn't want to force Eric Schmidt into a place where he had to be a GOP establishment hack because people who win those seats stay forever. And if, if, if there's no thanks 
to Donald Trump and Donald Trump, you know, some can look at this however they want, but, um, you know, this is going to play in Missouri for sure in this race. And uh, if he didn't come out exactly against Eric Schmidt, then um, Eric might have to think twice before being very anti-MAGA. And that may be where his heart is on that. And also, I have to say, Damon, Donald Trump is so communicative with each of these candidates. He's had many extended conversations with them. He may know things that... Eric Schmidt said that impress him and he's not, you know, not stating publicly. So we may a little more about this may unfold as this story uh, continues for sure. And, and I will say Eric Schmidt is a great guy. He's an amazing attorney general. I would love to see him stay there, <laughs> but um, and I just hope he'll be a fighter for Missouri if he does indeed uh, take this victory tonight. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dr. G. I mean, looking at the numbers here, uh, I mean, Eric Greitens has got to start putting some yellow on the board. And when you look at the state here, Rick Delgado, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of red everywhere. And then Vicky has picked up some solid support in what looks like kind of the middle uh, west part of the state. Uh, Schmidt right now, the support is kind of all spread out among the state. And, and for Eric Greitens right now, there's not a lot of yellow on the map. So he's going to, if he's going to make a run here and try to put a challenge in here, he's going to have to start putting some yellow on this map. I don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. It'll be interesting to find out where his strong part of the, uh, state is. I know he's done a lot of groundwork as, uh, as David Zierd mentioned. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if it starts to pay off because again, it's only 11% reporting right now. So it's still really, really early. All right. We'll cover the numbers. We're waiting on Tudor Dixon's speech. We're waiting to see if anything else gets called. And um, by the way, at 10 p.m., we're going to hand it over to Charlie Kirk for extended uh, coverage of primary night right here on Real America's Voice. Special election coverage continues with Charlie Kirk coming up at 10. Countdown to the midterms begins at CPAC, Texas. Join President Trump, Sean Hannity, Steve Bannon, and a packed house of conservative all-stars. With your help, we will take back the House. We will win the Senate. A big red wave is coming. It all starts at CPAC, Texas. Fire Pelosi. Save America. And then a Republican president will return to the White House. Who, who, who will that be? The American Conservative Union is responsible for the content of this advertising. All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on primary night. Been over the numbers. Tudor looks like she's going to win. Uh, a couple other things here. We know that uh, Trump endorsed Derek Schmidt, wins the Republican nomination for governor in Kansas. Uh, that's been called by um, interactive polls. Uh, Trump endorsed Iraq war vet John James, wins the Republican nomination for U.S. House in Michigan's 10th congressional district. And like we said, uh, as the reporting starting to come in, in the first kind of, well, Trump endorsed John Gibbs with, uh, against Peter Maher, who uh, was, of course, voted for impeachment in 2021. Uh, John Gibbs is leading there. And then, of course, the other two candidates that are in that same boat are Representative Herrera Butler and Dan Newhouse, both in Washington, which the polls don't close till 10 also, polls don't close in Arizona till 10, but let's go out to our friend Ben Berkwam, who's out there at Cary Lake headquarters. Talked to Ben at the opening of the show, but let's bring him back in here. Ben, I know your fireworks don't start till 10 when the polls close, and I know Charlie Kirk's going to pick up special election coverage after us. 
Um, what's going on in the room there, Kerry Lake headquarters? What's the vibe? I mean, polls still closed in another half an hour, but any change from uh, an hour and a half ago when we spoke to you? Well, I'll tell you, we just got back in from the security sweep. Uh, the, the level of media out here, again, if it's any indicator, is higher than anywhere else in the state right now. Uh, this is the political energy is in the room here. And I think that's, that's really, you know, when you talk about that, you're talking about the MAGA candidates. That's why, uh, you, if you look at President Trump, why it's so important and what we're heading into, after this primary and then going into the general, there's no question about it. The Republican establishment wants you to believe a lie that President Trump does not, it, it's not a Republican Trump party, and that's just an absolute lie. The power, the political momentum is behind President Trump. Uh, the vast majority of Americans believe, uh, of conservatives, believe he won the 2020 election, and they're going to continue to fight through 2022 and 2024. And basically, what I'm seeing is when you have establishment Republicans like Doug Ducey, like Mike Pence, come out and and uh, endorse it actually may end up hurting these candidates more than helping them tonight again it's going to be a bellwether here what's interesting you know I was talking to some of the folks outside there's hundreds of folks outside they're just starting to let them in this room is going to be packed tonight but it was interesting talking to them about the border why the border is so significant and and you, uh, Joe Biden just announced that they're going to fill some of the holes in the border in Yuma and in, in here in Arizona. And the, I, the thought is that that's simply to help Mark Kelly against uh, uh, in the, the general election to make it look like they're actually doing something. But yeah. in the end, it's just more window dressing. The, 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 the border is going to be wide open. This is going to be an issue through 2022 and more than likely through 2024. So a lot to see here. Again, about a half an hour till we get to the polls closing here in Arizona. And then we'll, we'll be bringing it to you live on uh, Charlie Kirk. Yeah, and that's a good lead. And let me ask you just to get away from the election for just a second, because obviously this plays a huge role in the election. And Carrie Lake has talked tough, and I think people believe her. Uh, you have a new episode of Law and Border coming up, I think, this Saturday on Real America's Voice. What are we going to see on Saturday at 3 p.m.? It is. It's a special. So obviously we're going to be doing CPAC coverage. We'll be there wall to wall, and we're going to take a little break for an hour and do our next episode of Law and Border. We'll be back well, back down with Pinell County Sheriff Mark Lamb, who also, you know, here here in Arizona, uh, with his deputies going and showing the smuggling routes. But I spend a significant amount of the episode with Carrie Lake down in Yuma, exposing this idea of controlled flow that, uh, that Joe Biden is allowing into our country. And again, for Arizona, it's one of the three pillar issues. It's it's the border, it's the economy, and it's the elections and election integrity. And so that's what we're going to be showing you. It's going to be an epic episode. And then our next one that's going to be coming up right after that, my, my work down in Aravaca with uh, Tim Foley of Arizona Border Recon. But this Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern time, you guys don't want to miss it, our next episode of Law and Border. Yeah, absolutely. Law and Border, 3 p.m. on Saturday. And like Ben said, what a good week here. Uh, you got to just lock it in on Real America's Voice. CPAC coverage, Trump rally coverage. Ed Henry has a special on Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, ben, let's talk about Trump and Trump endorsements. Obviously, if we get Blake Masters, you get Kerry Lake. Uh, it looks like we're going to get Eric Schmidt in Missouri as much as we're pulling for Eric Greitens. But I got to ask you, uh, the first race to be called, looks like the easiest race of the night, is the gubernatorial race in Michigan. One Tudor Dixon looks like yeah. she is going to go up against Ava Perone in Michigan. Let me get your thoughts on that. 
Uh, you know, it's I, I love Tudor. She, she's actually one of the reasons why I'm at Real America's Voice News. She was one of the first people I met. And besides my wife, and this is kind of getting into the uh, a, a little sentimental, there's there are people that you meet in life that shine light to me. Uh, it's whether it's God that's in them, or you know, there's there's just a light that exudes from them. My wife has the the brightest light I've ever seen. But Tudor was actually the second brightest light I've ever seen. When I met her, I thought if if this network has her, then it's a network I can work for. And uh, so I can't say any uh, uh, everything. I, there, I can't I can't say nicer things about Tudor Dixon. The fact that she got Trump's endorsement and the fact that she wins the primary. Obviously, the general is going to be another story. Michigan's kind of a weird state. The the demographic breakdown. But I think Michigan Michigan. Michiganians, Michiganians uh, are, are tired of the lockdowns. They're tired of what they had over the last few years. And hopefully Tudor will be that breath of fresh air to, to get them to go more towards freedom. Because historically, Michigan's been a very, very conservative state. Uh, I think it was shocking to most people what happened during the COVID lockdown. So God bless Tudor. I love her. She's an amazing person. And um, it's an honor to, well, I'm sure we'll have her on a lot. So. Absolutely. That's a that's quite the endorsement there as well, too. And I'm sure that means a lot to Tudor. Uh, very nice. Ben Berkwam here with us. And uh, of course, 10 o'clock, the polls will close there and Charlie Kirk will pick up a special election coverage. And I'm sure Ben will be a part of that as the results start to roll in. Ben, thanks as always. And we'll be watching Saturday, 3 p.m. Law yes, and Border right here on Real America's Voice. Uh, all right, Rick Delgado. Thank there you, you go. Sir. So it's been called yeah. Michigan GOP put out a tweet. Congratulations to Tudor Dixon our gubernatorial candidate and the next governor of our state in November, we will retire Gretchen Whitmer and forge a business and family-friendly Michigan. That from the uh, Michigan GOP out on Twitter. Uh, a lot of other people talking about the uh, what seems to be the Eric Schmidt win in Missouri, although that is not official. And I know the um, Greitens camp is hoping that he can make up some ground. I'll just jump back over here to what I'm looking at. Uh, 66,193 for Eric Schmidt, 43.8%. So he hasn't really moved off of that 42-43. No. Uh, the problem is the two people behind them haven't moved off of where they are either. Vicky is still, uh, Hartzler is still at 38,251, representing 25%. And Eric Greitens, 28,584, representing 18%. So, um... Not much has changed. Still an 18-point lead for, for Eric Schmidt there in, yeah. uh, Missouri. But in terms of Michigan, I mean, now, okay, so game on. Now now we're going to see how, how down and dirty this is going to get because, let's face it, Whitmer is, like you said, she's as unlikable as you can get. But is that going to be enough? Are people going to be, well, because she's kind of, she's kind of, you know, kind of stepped back from being the focus in the last, you know, six to eight months where you don't really hear much about her. We used to hear about her a lot. Was that by design? Like, let me pull myself back because people are really, really mad at me right now. Let me try and get them on my side, see if they have a short memory. We'll find out. Hopefully, you know, part of Tudor's, uh, Tudor's campaign is going to include making sure these people remember exactly what this governor put them through unnecessarily, how they were locked down. They weren't allowed to leave her house, but she's sending her husband up to the state uh, to, to their, their, their vacation home to get the boat ready, to you know, clean out some leaves, to do whatever. Uh, you know, rules for thee, uh, not for me. So hope, yeah, you, hopefully you, she, she points this stuff out because that, that could be a big turning point. Yeah, you would think if there's somebody who's ripe to uh, be beaten, it would be Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, I don't know. But it's, you know, it's the same feeling I had... Um, it's those same feelings you have. Of course, we live here, so we have to deal with it. But in New York, you, you just think, 
Well, how could people possibly vote for her again, given what she's put the people of that state through? Right. You just think it would be it would be a cakewalk, but I mean, obviously, it's not going to be. But I mean, if there was somebody who was just ripe to just be beaten because my God, they just couldn't be more wrong on every single thing, it would be Gretchen Whitmer. Yeah, and then you know, again, things brought up. I think I think Steve brought it up that where you know you weren't allowed to go to Home Depot, you're not allowed to paint. But meanwhile, she's got she's got her family doing stuff. She's she's flying off to Florida. Remember that trip? I mean, all these things. People have short memories, unfortunately. And we we heard in one of the packages we played last week where one of the Real America Voice people that were interviewed going, you know what? I was busy raising my kids. I wasn't paying attention. But now I'm awake. Hopefully, those people are now you know they're struggling because the inflation is now their main focus. So hopefully, they're still paying attention. Like, why is this a problem? Uh, oh yeah, let me trace it back. It's it's the same people doing the same stuff that is making my life more difficult, and one of them is named Gretchen Whitmer. And it will be amazing as we get into uh, we get these races settled up and who it's going to be. Um, how many of these Democrats have to like Gretchen Whitmer, for example, have to run from Joe Biden? How quickly will they run from their own party? Number one. And their president, number two, because nobody wants to be attached to him at the hip. We've seen it in Tim Ryan's race. We've seen him. We've seen it in um, the Democrat representative in, I think, in, um, in Minnesota, who says, I don't even want the guy to run. He's like the first person to come out and say he doesn't even want him to run. Yeah. We heard Joe Manchin on Meet the Press when he was pressed about it, sound like a, the chameleon that he's turned into. Cory Bush, AOC, I mean, across the board on the Democratic side, they want nothing to do with Joe Biden. How much of a weight is that going to be around all of their ankles in these races, which all you would think are going to be tight? Yeah. So you would you would hope that, you know what, they're going to they're going to exploit that and say, at least on the Republican side, you know, grab all those great pictures. Hey, you got a picture with uh, President Biden there. Let's use it in a campaign ad. You know, you, you supported him. You brought this upon us. So we're going we're gonna to beat you over the head with it. And hopefully uh, they do. By the way, in a follow-up in Kansas, as I gave you the numbers, D- Dave Wasserman, who I'm going on Steve uh, Gruber's uh, call here on this guy, uh, he says, I've seen enough in a huge victory for the pro-choice side. The Kansas constitutional amendment to remove protections of abortion rights failed. So uh, let's bring Dr. Gina in from West Palm Beach. Uh, Dr. G, um, this Kansas constitutional amendment seems to have failed. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, (laughs) I want to know who wrote that ballot language, Damon. Um, Pretty interesting that they would say things like uh, abortion rights. And I forget the other term they use. I don't have that definition right in front of me. Yeah, I'll pull it Um, up because I I actually thought it was weird. I had to read it a couple times. Should Should the state constitution be amended to remove protections, protections of abortion rights, yes. Yeah, protections of abortion rights. Do you hear how confusingly, I don't even know if that's a word, but do yeah. you hear how that's written? I mean, it sounds to me like they very much wrote it to be confusing because in Kansas, this, this, these numbers should be exactly flipped. So I have a feeling uh, that it should have said something like, should the state constitution be amended to ban abortion? 
You would know how to buy. You know, Damon, you've read it I don't know how many times on the show tonight. I still never figured out what it said until I wrote it down uh, as I was texting it to somebody and, and realized that just sounds completely convoluted. But I think the great takeaway so far tonight, we haven't even seen Arizona, um, is, is the Trump. Trump stuff. The MAGA candidates are winning straight up and down. Yeah. let's. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get back. We'll wrap it up before we turn it over to Charlie Kirk at 10. Live from Studio 6B. We're back in a quick three minutes right after this. Thirteenth of the hour on a primary night on Tuesday, live from Studio Six B, Real America's Voice. Uh, let's see what's happened since we went. Um, Trump endorsed incumbent Representative Lisa McLean wins Republican nomination for U.S. House in Michigan's ninth congressional district. And uh, Dr. Gina was saying, as we can bring her back in, as we are going to uh, break right now. You look at the night. Of course, we still have to wait to see about Masters and Kerry Lake. But looks like Eric Schmidt, looks like obviously Tudor Dixon. Uh, this will be a night where you look at the president's reach and you look at the power of the Trump endorsement, even though some people don't like the way the Missouri went down. But still, uh, looks like it's shaping up to be a good night for uh, President Trump's candidates here. And uh, uh, Dr. G, what do you think so far? Yeah, I, there's just no question that endorsement means a ton to people. If you look at the victories item by item, I've sent them all to you throughout the night, Damon. Um, you can just see it's the Trump endorsed candidate wins. Trump endorsed candidate wins. Congratulations to Tudor Dixon. Um, it, it, it is a very exciting night from the perspective of Donald Trump endorsements. I, I've been saying on my show for a long time, I see people kept trying to say, oh, Donald Trump is not going to be the candidate. You know, they try to undervalue his endorsement, but I've watched every one of these candidates file through here in Palm Beach over at Mar-a-Lago and kiss the ring and ask for that endorsement. It is the absolute kiss of victory, and uh, I don't think it's to be underestimated anymore, and I think it secures Donald Trump uh, as the absolute unabashed frontrunner for uh, president in the next election. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Dr. G, we always love having you with us. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks on these for letting me Thanks for letting me butt in again. <laughs> well, we love when you butt in. You butt in every primary. We got a lot of, they're going to come hot and heavy here now in the last six weeks uh, uh, before the, obviously, before the midterm. So, yeah, we got, we got one in two weeks that I'm very excited about. I'm, I'm willing, I, I'm really looking forward to see how badly Liz Cheney gets just destroyed in Wyoming. And that's coming up in two weeks. CNN went out there to try to find anybody to vote for. Was, I'm sure we've all seen that piece, but it was pretty funny. The first lady said, when she's asked, she's like, well, can I cuss on air? And they said, no, no, you can't. So, all right, well, Dr. G. to God's ears. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, thanks very yes. much, Dr. Gina Loud, and of course, host of Primetime each and every night right here, 7 to 8 p.m. Yeah. on Real America's Voice. So, uh, well, Rick Delgado, we have a few moments left, but um, big win for Tudor. Yeah. And, Obviously, uh, Arizona, we're hoping for Kerry Lake, Blake Masters, and um, we'll see what happens in a couple of the other races out there. Ben Berkwam will be a part, I believe, of Charlie Kirk's election coverage. It's going to pick up here in about seven, eight minutes. We'll hand it over uh, to Charlie Kirk. Blake Masters, though, obviously in that Senate race. Secretary of State, we're going to get Mark Fincham. 
So there's a lot to look forward to here after 10 o'clock. Stay up, get your popcorn out, and uh, spend the night finding out what's going on in Arizona. Yeah, and especially in Michigan, too. Now now, now that, uh, you know, Tudor is secured, it, it, you know, it's been called, um, but it looks like she's going to secure that nomination, at least from the Republican side. Now it'll be interesting to see how things coalesce around her. Because you know you want to have that strong team. If you get the the yeah, other well, Trump Steve Gruber made that point, right? Yeah, you have that Trump endorsed candidates with you. That could be that could be a wrecking ball when it comes to uh, Michigan politics, and especially getting people to remember, hey, look what this person did to you for the last four years. You want another four years of that? Because they're trying to, you know, who knows? Maybe monkeypox is going to be the next thing that uh, that old Ava is going to be like. Oh, we need to shut everything down while while I fly off to Florida and have a good life. And remember, again, tonight, three of the 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump are up on the ballot tonight. And so far in the first race, the third district out in the U.S. House uh, out in Michigan, John Gibbs is leading 53.4% to Peter Mayer. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce the last name. Mayher? Major? I don't know. Mayor. I'll go with Mayor. How about Um, Loser? Yeah, I agree with that, too. 46.6%. So we want John Gibbs to run there. And then we want uh, Representative uh, Herrera Butler to lose and Dan Newhouse to lose. And that would be the trifecta sweep for President Trump uh, against the three rhino sellouts who voted to uh, to impeach him. So that's that's still to come as well. So Yeah, a, a little update in Missouri, by the way. Um, now Greitens has moved within five percentage points of Hartzer. For a second? So, yeah, for a second. So, you know, there, there's numbers are coming in. And it's still very, very early in that race. So, yeah. Well, uh, it's certainly not early in the race for um, for social media. Conservative talk social media. They've all called it for um, for, for Schmidt. Schmidt. So we'll see. But um, well, we continue to talk about these. You know, these Republicans got to turn out in these primary elections, in these state legislature seats, and these governorships, and and we need more of. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Tudor now, but obviously we see what's, what's going on in, in Florida. We see what a governor can do. Look at the pushback he just gave to PayPal, yeah. and they folded in about four seconds. So they just, you know, the gloves have to just come off. That's just, that's just the way it is. The gloves have to come off. So um, I want to thank everybody who's with Real America's Voice and obviously putting this night together, obviously Gio and Fran as well. Uh, Parker, all the cameramen with all of the correspondence all over. And, of course, special thanks to David Zier at Greitens headquarters, uh, Steve Gruber out in Michigan at Tudor Dixon headquarters, and we're still waiting for Tudor's speech uh, to see if she's going to speak. She'll probably speak after we get off the air. Of course, thanks to Dr. Gina Loudon down in uh, West Palm and uh, Ben Burkwam out in Arizona. And, again, remember the rest of the Charlie Kirk special election coverage coming up after us. Remember the rest of the week, CPAC coming up this week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday coverage right here on Real America's Voice. Ed Henry and Karen Turk each and every morning from right there. A lot of the Real America's Voice shows will be broadcasting live from CPAC. Uh, Trump rally, I believe, as well on Friday night, 7 p.m. from Wisconsin. Harry Oates will be out there. Uh, Ed Henry has a special on the border on Thursday night. Who, um, who's responsible for border uh, Biden's border crisis? Uh, on Thursday at 7, that'll be 7 to 8. And remember, no live from Studio 6B on Friday. We'll be off on Friday. Some of us may actually be heading to CPAC maybe for a day or two. Uh, but we'll be off on Friday. And um, 
Yeah, so good week, good night. Congratulations to Tudor Dixon. Pretty um, pretty ringing endorsement from two people who know her pretty well. That's why this whole, hey, she's a rhino. Really? Okay, uh, like based on what? The people who, people who were involved in her campaign, that's what you're going to base it on? Right. I mean, it seemed, seemed kind of far-fetched and outrageous, quite frankly. And you listen to people who actually know her. And she's pretty much new to this, so I don't know how anyone could have a solid opinion on where she stands. We've never heard from her. Yeah, well, people well, at Michigan have. What's been huge, though, is the uh, the Trump endorsement, which just kind of leveled the rest of the field. It, it was it was like Steve described. He says as soon as that happened, she went from a small lead in some polls, and some polls they had her like you know in fourth. Some some had her in first. All of a sudden, boom, she's way out in front and waving goodbye. Yeah. And I'll tell you the thing about the uh, Missouri deal. Uh, one thing you can say again on Schmidt, and, I, and I've said this before, and I think it's still going to go a long way for any candidate that can run on it. He's totally stood up to the Biden administration for vaccine mandates against businesses. Sued him, as a matter of fact, I believe. I'm telling you, that's a huge issue to people, these vaccines. And the way they were used... The way they changed people's lives, got people fired. Look what it's doing to the military. I mean, it's yep. just a huge issue. I don't. It just. It just is, and it's going to be. And people who weren't on the right side of history with this are going to have a hard time running against people who were. Because for some people, medical tyranny is the number one issue, other than inflation, going into November for some, and going into twenty twenty four. So. All right, looks like Tudor Dixon's at the um, at the podium. <laughs> Maybe we can listen to a quick 30 seconds here. We're going to hand it over to Charlie Kirk for special election coverage as well. want to thank everybody for being with us tonight. See if we can catch a little bit of, of Tudor here, and we'll hand it over to Charlie here in about 30 seconds. Oh, wow. God is good. Thank you, Michigan. Thank you for believing in me and yourselves. And thank you for standing for what's right and what matters, for responding to our campaign of ideas and optimism, of a vision to get our beloved state back on track.